Anybody here ever been afraid? I mean like afraid, afraid. I mean like scared. You know what I mean? Scared, afraid. You know, years ago, someone came to us and they wanted to give us a house. Um, this guy's mother was in a nursing home and he came to us. He came to us and said, I, my mom wants you to give you this house. And so give it to the church. And that's where we started a harvest house in this house that was given to the church. Uh, it, place was filled with all kinds of junk. It was a beautiful old home, but it was destroyed. And we went in there and there were so many fleas in there. It took us forever just to get the fleas out. There were dogs living in there all by themselves and doing what dogs do, if you know what I mean. Do, do, you know what I'm talking about? All over the place. We cleaned it up. We painted it. We did all kinds of things. It was really starting to look good. We opened the facility for the men. That's where we started it right there on 15th Street. And what happened was um, it started looking good. The house really took some shape, and it was really looking nice. A beautiful two-story house, I think built in 1937. And the fellow, the fellow who came to us and said, my mom wants you to give you this house, changed his mind. Now, the thing all we went through, I mean, they gave it to us, went through all the legal stuff. She signed all the papers. The house was in our name. And he went to the authorities and said, that preacher stole my mother's house. I said, well, Peg's the preacher now. Of course, you know, I was tough, man. I, st I, st I stood strong. You know what I did? I left my wife and kids behind and I went to Arizona. This guy comes to my house and reads me my rights. You got a right to remain silent. Later on, I find out that this fellow was, he was, uh, he was uh, retiring from the uh, elderly protection agency. And uh, rumor was he wanted to go out with a bang. And to him, going out with a bang was putting a preacher in jail. And that preacher was me. He was pound and determined to put me in jail. Of course, we didn't do anything wrong. And when they went through the whole process, they realized that, uh, that the guy was telling lies and that she actually did give us the house. But man, I'm telling you, all it had to do was get out. I mean, right or wrong, found innocent, found guilty. If it got out, and that's back when they were hanging preachers all over the country. I mean, you know, I don't care what you did. And the whole Jimmy Swagger days and this and that and that and this. And they were just looking uh, to, to uh, make the newspaper. They found some dirty preacher. And Peg dealt with it while I was in Arizona. And I came home soon. But man, I was scared. I, I, you know, I could just see me, you know, in the state penitentiary. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know what that looks like. I have no idea what it looks like. What am I going to eat? And I had all kinds of things, you know. How am I going to make it? I'll never make it. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger in my mind. Well, it ended up being absolutely nothing. But I was frightened. Anybody here frightened about anything today? Lift your hand up. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Now you're lying. Anybody here frightened about anything today? 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. There's no fear in love, but perfect love cast out all fear. Everybody say all fear. Because fear, let me tell you why fear must be cast out. Fear must be cast out. Let me tell you why. Because fear involves torment. 
fear will torment you. Anybody ever been tormented by fear? Fear will paralyze you. Even though you know you have something to do for God, you can't do it because you, fear will paralyze you and you will find yourself stuck. You can't go forward and you can't go backward. You're too afraid to go forward and, 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 and you're, too, you're too afraid to go back. You are stuck. You find yourself stand, standing still. You know that God loves you. You know that God's for you. You know that God has something to do. But when fear enters in, you find yourself still, standing still. Now, let me just say this to you. You can write this down in your mind or whatever, but, or write it down on a piece of paper. We need to lock the door on fear before fear locks the door on us. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, we need to lock the door on fear before fear locks the door on you. Tell somebody, hey, 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 lock that door. Lock the door. Because it will torment you. It'll rob you of your joy. It'll rob you of your peace. It will rob you of any hope for a better tomorrow. You know what fear does? Fear magnifies the problem. It starts out like this. And when fear gets a hold of it, the problem becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, all of a sudden, that problem becomes large and in charge. And you find your life, how, you know, you find your life that fear is in charge. Fear is tormenting you. It'll take your peace from you. It'll take your, your joy from you. Hmm. Fear. It torments. It imprisons. It stops you in your tracks. No peace, no joy. No hope for tomorrow. You know what fear does? Fear magnifies your problem so, so large. You get to the point where you think, this thing is even bigger than God. You know it's bigger than you. But all of a sudden, fear begins to torment you. And fear convinces you that God has to submit to the problem that you're facing. Well, problems come in all kinds of ways. Sometimes it comes... From just life. Welcome to life. There are problems. But when fear enters in, the problem becomes bigger than you ever imagined. Anybody ever lose any sleep over something? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Me too. It begins to minimize in your thinking. It begins to minimize the mighty hand of God in your life. All of a sudden you see God small and the problem big. Man. I've been there and done that. Bought the t-shirt. But I left the hat behind. 
The fear of man brings a snare. This is Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man brings a snare. The fear of man sets a trap for you. The fear of man, uh, it, it it sets a noose. It literally means the fear of man is a noose. It'll put a noose around your neck. You won't have any freedom. It'll just drag you along. It's like a a hook in a fish's mouth. Fear is like a hook in a fish's mouth. And it just gets reeled in. You find yourself entrapped. You find yourself ensnared. Fear. But I got some good news for you. I don't know about you. I have faced some things I knew were bigger than me. Anybody here face anything bigger than you? But when fear gets a hold of it, it convinces you that it's even bigger than God. But I'm going to go old school here in just a second. Turn to somebody and tell me he's going to go old school. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. Have you ever looked at anything and said, this is impossible? I'm done dealing. It's over. Like I was when that guy read me my act. It's over. I don't know. The kids will grow up without me. I don't know. So I did the smart thing, the bold thing, the man thing. I went to Arizona. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God. Turn his sermon and tell him, but with God. Give him a high five and tell him, but with God. Some of the first churches I ever preached in were black churches all over New York and New Jersey. And all they were black churches. And so I'd go to them black churches and I'd learn some moves. Because no white churches would have me, but the black folks were kind enough to give me an opportunity to encourage this young preacher along. And so I'd go in there and I'd watch the mothers and the sisters and the brothers. And I'd watch them have church and watch some of the old, them old preachers. Hallelujah. And I could just remember they'd say like, you know, there is nothing that is possible with our God. It might be impossible with man, but with God. And I'm telling you, they would throw it out. They'd say, yeah, but with God. Hallelujah. But with God, nothing is impossible. Oh, come on, somebody say, but with God, nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible. But with God. Turn to somebody and tell them, but with God. Absolutely nothing is impossible. Oh, come on and praise him. 
is nothing that is too hard for our God. I just had to get that in there. Somehow, I feel better. Especially after Mr. Tucker did that run. Oh, yes. John chapter 20. We're going to read verses 19 through 22. This is during the 40 days that Jesus spent on earth visiting many people. From the time of the resurrection to the time of the ascension, we talked about that he spent 40 days revealing himself and visiting with people. And so this happens. Uh, the, the first group was Mary Magdalene, and then there were several women that he visited with. Then there was Peter, and then he was on the road to Emmaus. Remember that he met with two of the disciples. They were probably on their way to Galilee. They were ready to give up. They were probably from Galilee. And then he met with the 11 disciples, and one was missing. Doubting Thomas was missing from the group. And then later on, he comes back and visits them again. Turn to somebody and tell me he visited them again. In other words, whatever experience the 11 had that day, he didn't want anybody to be excluded. And he went back and gave them all the same experience again, but he wanted to make sure Doubting Thomas was there. And so he went back a second time, a different time, and he met when all 12 of them were there, but there were only 11 of them there at this time. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut. Turn to somebody and tell them when the doors were shut. Another translation says they were bolted shut. If you read the different translations, you understand they shut up the doors. The disciples shut the doors. Are you ready? They shut the doors where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews. They were afraid. And they bolted the doors shut. Turn to somebody and tell them they were afraid. It was that fear that caused them to shut the door. Fear shut the door on them. They didn't shut the door on fear. Fear shut the door on them. They were afraid of the religious leaders. I mean, they just saw and just witnessed what happened to Christ. Now, look, I don't blame them. I mean, you know, I probably would have took off to Arizona. I don't blame them being afraid. I mean, after all, you know, Jesus, the son of God, the miracle worker, they saw all of the miracles that he did. They saw him raise the dead. They saw all of the things that he did. They heard his teaching. They heard his preaching and all those kind of things. And now Jesus is dead. Or at least crucified. 
And I don't know about you. I'm like, man, if they could do that to him, I'm next. So they gather together and they shut the door because of fear. Anybody ever withdraw, shut the door on yourself because you're afraid? This is impossible. This is beyond my ability to fix. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm just saying this. I, I like to be in control. I do. If I take a trip, I'm always expecting that cars are going to break down. I want to make sure that car don't break down. I like to be in control. I, I don't like things just coming into my life. But you know what? That's not life. Sometimes there are things that just come into your life from nowhere. Just out of the blue. But it's life. The same day evening, but the first day of the week when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst. Now, let me tell you, at this time, they had enough evidence that the tomb was empty. And they had enough evidence by the stories that they heard that he had rose from the dead. They had it. They had the information. But they were still afraid. Just like some of you that are here this morning. Some of you are here. We just got done celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But two weeks later, you find yourself afraid of something. You find yourself overcome by something. And you feel like the only way of dealing with it is to shut yourself in. to stop any kind of forward motion. And you're allowing it to steal your joy and to steal your hope and to steal your vision for a better tomorrow. They knew it. They knew the tomb was empty. They heard the story that he was seen in the garden. But yet... They were afraid. Tormented. No plans are going forward. He stood in the midst and he said to them, Peace be with you. Peace is shalom. Nothing broken. Nothing missing. Now, you've got to understand it, man. Jesus just shows up. I mean, he just shows up. He, he, he don't even go through the door. I don't know how, he got, you know how he got in there, but all of a sudden, he's there. And let me tell you, in the darkest moments of your life, when something is plaguing you, some problem in your life, and you're just like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. This is impossible. I don't, in the very middle of it, all of a sudden, Jesus is going to show up. I guarantee you that Jesus is going to show up. And he just shows up. He 
He's just there. And he says to them, hey, nothing is broken. Nothing is missing. And nothing is out of control. Turn to somebody and tell them, peace. Peace. Say, nothing is out of control. Tell them, nothing is out of control. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broke. No, tell somebody like you mean it. Say, hey, yo, 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 yo. Peace. Shalom. It's going to be okay. God's got this thing. Tell somebody, hey, God's got this thing. Give him a high five and say, hey, God's got this thing. It's going to be okay. And he says to them, peace or shalom. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And so Jesus said to them again, everybody say again. Amen. Peace to you. You know, I'm thinking sometimes the first time we hear, hey, be at peace, we don't get it. You know, someone said, hey, man, it's going to be okay. God's with you. Nothing's broken. Nothing's missing. You're going to get through this. And we're like, we all hear it. And sometimes we need to hear it again. And sometimes we need to hear it another time. And sometimes we need to hear it two or three more times. And then after a while, hallelujah. But you know what? I'm so glad that Jesus himself came to them. It wasn't some kind of light. It wasn't some kind of wind. It wasn't just a voice. Jesus himself came to them. And Jesus himself spoke peace into their life. And I don't care how many times it takes. I don't care how many times you got to hear it. I don't care how many times, you know, the Lord himself may stand to you and say peace. Sometimes you need to hear it again. And I think today is one of those days. Some of you need to hear it again. You know what I like about this? They were gathered together. Turn to somebody and tell them they were gathered together. They were afraid. But they were together. Say it with me. Say they were afraid. But they were together. And you might be afraid. Tell someone, you might be afraid. Hey, 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 you might be afraid. But I'm here to tell you we are together. And where two or three are gathered, hallelujah, the Lord is in the midst. You might be afraid, but Jesus himself is showing up in this place. So he says, peace to them again. A second time. How many didn't get it the first time? Or the second time? Or the third time? Lost some more sleep? Lost joy? Lost peace? Well, guess what? You're going to hear it again. Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He said, peace. I'm here. You're not going to stay shut up in this place. I got a job for you to do. 
And I'm here to tell you, you're not going to have to stay shut up. Hallelujah. With your problem becoming bigger and bigger and letting fear dominate your life. Hallelujah. Jesus is here and Jesus is going to do something for you today so you can get on and do everything God intended you to do. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord some praise. Said, I'm going to send you. In other words, look, get ready. You're getting ready to get sent. And you know what? Jesus realized that he had to do something. He had to get them ready. First, they had to get over their fear. But listen to this. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. Everybody say he breathed on them. The breath of God is the life of God. He breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, some, some of the translation says some of the he just breathed in the, in the room. Others say that he went person by person by person by person. And he breathes the breath or the life of God on them. Now, I, I, I don't know about you. I love the Holy Spirit. And I love to feel the Holy Spirit. When that breath of God comes into the room and I can feel that breath of God on my life and I can find, feel, feel the spirit of the Lord, I don't care if there's a giant. I don't care if there's a lion. I don't care what it is. I'm here to tell you, hallelujah, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Nothing's going to hold me back. If I can sense that presence. And Jesus began to breathe on them. He breathed on them for two reasons. Number one, he breathed on them to demonstrate to them that he really was alive. And I'm here to tell you the spirit of the living God wants to breathe on you this morning because he wants you to get out of this prison, these locked up doors that, that fear has put you in. He wants you to sense his presence. He wants you to feel the breath of the Almighty. And so he breathed on them. Another translation says he breathed on them, each one of them. Not just the whole group. One by one by one, he took the time to breathe on them. How many of you are dealing with a problem that has been getting the best of you lately? Put your hands up. Put it up. Yeah. Stand up. Those who put your hands up, stand up. Just stand up. Put your hand up. Put it up. Anyone else? Yes. Stand up. Yeah. Play that, that you know that music? Whatever that music is. Listen to me. You got the music on? I can't hear it. There we go. That sounds spooky. Don't be afraid. Every one of you, every one of you, now please, 
you're going to sense the presence of God, the encouragement to go on. You're going to feel the breath of God. But I want you to do something. This is, this is me. Would you get out of your seat and join me for just a second here? Just come. Just come on up here. Will you do that? Every one of you. We don't do this often, but we're going to do it today. Just come. Look, preacher, it's impossible. Come on, let's come together. If you stand right there, you're going to get wet. It's condensation. And it ain't the Holy Ghost. It's just condensation. Wow. First of all, I want you to think about one thing. All of the things that God has already done in your life. I get stuck sometimes become afraid but then I got to look back and think of all of the things that he did for me so many things he delivered me out of so many times he rescued me so many times when it just looked like everything was falling apart he came he just suddenly showed up I wasn't believing he was going to show up I wasn't thinking he was going to show up. And even if he did show up, I didn't think he was going to be able to do anything with that magnificent problem that was facing me. But he came and he did it. How many could say God's done some marvelous things in your life? He's not dead, he's alive. And he's not far from us. Jesus is closer to you than you think he is. He just showed up in the midst of these 11 men who knew the story, who heard that he had raised, was risen from the dead. He just showed up and he breathed on him. I want everybody in this congregation to stand to your feet with me and stretch your hands out this way. Every one of you that are out there. If you feel God's breath, if you feel his life, if you can feel that God is with you and know that God is with you, you will leave here different with a different frame of mind. You'll know he's alive and you'll know that he's with you. So that's my prayer. My prayer today is this, that the spirit of the living God will come and visit with each and every one of you. That the breath of God will be breathed upon you from the heavens. That you'll leave here knowing that God is with you. Because all of a sudden, something that you didn't feel when you came in here, you're going to feel it as you leave. And at your way home, you're just going to know that God's with you. And this peace is going to come upon you. You're going to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that everything is going to work out. Because God is alive and God is on your side. So I pray the breath of God 
to touch each and every one of you. I pray the Spirit of the living God to come upon you, to encourage you, to give you strength, to give you hope. That you'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt that He hasn't forsaken you, that He hasn't left you, that everything is going to work out okay. Father, visit with each heart. Let your Spirit go with them. Let the Spirit of the living God be quickened on the inside of them. Even today, this very moment, in Jesus' precious name. Everybody say, I receive it. I receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 And amen. Put your hands together and give the Lord some praise.